This morning, we are so blessed to have our brother with us. Like I mentioned, he was one of two evangelists that just uh, asked me at one point, what can I pray for? And uh, told him about the building situation and such. And uh, he began to pray. Every once in a while, I'd get a uh, a, a text from from our brother is saying, hey, well, how's it going? What's happening? And so we would go through that and let him know. And uh, it was the roller coaster, but uh, he was faithful. He was praying. I know if he was asking, he was praying. And so thank God for that. We're going to have a great week with our brother. I'm, I'm going to ask you to open your hearts. and Let's give him a warm well, Rochester welcome as he comes this morning. Appreciate you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah, I'm a yeller. I'm going to wake up the neighbors. I found out this church is in a neighborhood. Man, we're going to have revival. Mm-hmm. I'm old school. I like yelling. I like noise. Amen. So I'm going to preach myself into some noise this morning. And so thank God for this opportunity we have to be together. And what a gift, man, to be saved. What a gift to be ready for that coming. Jesus is coming. Oh, even so, come Lord Jesus. And so, this morning, I... Uh, either going to make you mad or glad, but... We're going to start this off. We're going to start this off running. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. I don't have a lot of stuff. Well, you know, this, that, and the other. And No, no, no. You, you didn't come to hear all this stuff from a preacher and all his life. And you came for the gospel. We want gospel. We want God to speak to me. How many want God to speak to you this morning? I need God to speak to me. When we just come to church, just be coming to church. God, speak to me. Acts 24 and 1 Timothy chapter number. Witchcraft. Witchcraft this morning is the use of words... To direct ill will or dark desire. It is to manipulate by the power of word. So the image that we usually conjure up when we think of witch or witchcraft is some woman with stringy hair. Big nose, big wart with hair on it. She rides around on a broom and hates all men in authority. But I'm telling you, folks, it's much more sinister and deceptive than that caricature that we, we conjure up. And it's not always women. And I want to preach a sermon. I just want to call the lies that we tell ourselves this morning. Acts 24 and verse number 16. And we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. Acts 24, this being so... I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. First Timothy 1.19, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. All of us have a self this morning. And all of us have spoken to that man or that woman. And I want to talk about that this morning. Father, I'm asking you, God, for grace and mercy. God, help me to minister today. I pray capture the heart and the mind of every man, every woman. Let them lean in, God, to your word. And may your word catch them where they are. Give direction. Give hope and help. Father, I cast down, God, every rogue thought, every mindset, Father. Every work of hell that wrestles against your truth. Communicating to your child today. I'm asking you arrest us, help us, change us, 
Help me to minister as I ought in Jesus mighty name. Come on. Can you say amen? The lies that we tell ourselves. I want to talk to you first this morning about self conversation. Man by the name of Haman said some words to himself. Esther chapter 6 and verse 6. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, who would the king delight to honor more than me? Nebuchadnezzar said some words to himself. As he's walking around, he looks at the wall that he had built and he said, look, I have done this. I have built this entire wall for my own glory. Luke chapter 12 speaks of a man who was rich and the rich man is looking over all his possessions and no one being there, he said some words to himself that I have built barns or I have wealth stored up. I'm going to build barns and bigger barns and on he goes. Simon said some words to himself. Jesus is there in his house and he says, if Jesus knew, if he were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is that is touching him. In other words, he's saying these words to himself. And because of the trauma in life, we say things to ourselves. We have trauma in marriage, so we say words like, I will never marry again. We have been injured in relationships. I will never love again. You've been injured as a Christian trusting someone. I will never trust again. I will never help someone again. The incredible challenges that I faced early on in my ministry... I made a statement to God. I said, God, I am never going to pursue preaching again. Well, we can see how that worked. But I said, I'll never do it. I'm not going to pursue it. I'll just be in the church. I'll just be a blessing. But I am not going to go through all that I went through. But I said these words under my breath. Are you with me this morning? Because we're going somewhere, folks. So let me talk to you a second about the mirror of truth. First point's real sharp. But I'm black, folks. In case you can't tell, there's a white wall behind me. I'm just saying. I preach a little bit longer. So let me talk to you secondly about the mirror of truth. There is a voice that doesn't fall from heaven or is amplified from the pulpit speakers. But it's the voice that speaks in the silence. It's the inescapable voice of conscience. One man said, conscience is the voice of God in the soul of man. Conscience, by definition, the part of your personality that helps you determine between right and wrong. Conscience, the sense of consciousness or the sense or consciousness of your moral goodness or blameworthiness of one's own conduct, intentions, or character. Coupled together with a feeling of obligation to do right or be good. Cambridge Dictionary says it's the part of you that judges how moral your own actions are and makes you feel guilty about bad things that you have done or things you are responsible for. Vines writes that it's the process of thought which distinguishes what it considers Morally good or bad, commending the good and condemning the bad, so prompting you and I to do the former and avoid the latter. This is where your character is fashioned right here. 
This is where our character is hammered out. One man said conscience is the dog that can't bite but never stops barking. And it was Martin Luther who said it's neither right nor safe to go against my conscience. Listen, truth has an ally in the soul of every man, woman, boy, and girl. And that truth is spoken. And then in the courtroom of our own life, the soul, the jury is our own conscience. The case is presented, it is built upon truths that are undeniably irrevocable. And what we tell ourselves is then cross-examined by the truth that our conscience knows very well. Paul, he said, blessed is the man whose conscience doesn't accuse him by the things in which he does. There's an old saying. It says if a tree falls and no one is there to hear it, does that tree make a sound? Well, you bet it makes a sound. Just because we weren't there to hear it doesn't mean it didn't make a sound. So Erwin Lutzer tells a story of a German Christian in a church during World War II. And he's talking about this church is in the backwoods um, and there's a train track that came uh, around the backside of the church and went on. And during uh, the time of the war, the Nazis would gather all the Jews and they would cram them uh, into these trains. uh, And this train would go from that train track right past the church to the death camps where they would be exterminated. And so this Christian was telling the story that they would hear the tooting of the horn miles away and they knew what this meant because as the train got closer and closer and closer, they would hear the screams of all the Jews compressed inside, screaming in agony, wanting deliverance. Ah! And as the train is coming, they would hear it and they would hear it go by. So he said what they decided to do, they decided to sing. The train would come. And as the train, they hear the toot of the horn. The train would come and they'd begin to sing. And as the train is coming, they'd sing louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And so the train went by and that's how they were able to deal with it. And in their mind, they said, there's nothing we can do anyway. But the tree made a sound. Just because they couldn't hear it. You know, God has the ability to reach beyond the words that we say outwardly to that which we say inwardly. Because inside you, my brother, my sister, inside is where we live our truest life. Right there, we inwardly, we have a grasp on integrity. We have a grasp on honesty. We have a grasp on justice. Right there, we honor the Father. And the Bible says we are to worship in spirit and truth. There, the Lord Jesus speaks. There, inwardly. He speaks to you and I inwardly. Words, words that our conscience will take as its cross-examination to all the words that we like to say to ourselves. Honesty. Demands that we take time in this mirror. Honesty demands that we each take a moment and look. Paul said, examine yourselves. John, he says, test yourselves. Proverbs says, as in water, face reflects face. 
that it is a pure reflection. It is not mingled by man. It is a pure reflection. And brothers and sisters, this is not something that everyone is to examine. Mirrors give you and I a true reflection of who we are. And they're not in public places. Typically, they're in private. Most mirrors for personal examination are in private arenas. Bathrooms. Bedrooms. Hotel rooms. We're not talking about glancing to see if someone's in your your blind spot or looking to change lanes. No, no, no. We're talking about where you get yourself together to present yourself and you're examining yourself in this mirror. That is not for everyone else. That is a private moment. And here, the mirror of truth, brothers and sisters, is deep down inside of you and it is a private moment. And the question I ask you this morning is what do you say to yourself? What do you say to yourself when you're looking at yourself in the mirror? See, the danger is this part of a man or woman can become depraved. That this part of a man, the place where we speak words to ourselves by ourselves, this is where we can begin to ignore and justify our deeds that our conscience has been screaming are wrong. This is where we cross lines in our conscience that God has given every one of us begins to bring with it a sense of guilt. But no one knows. And because it's private and because it's internal and it's not this audible voice, some speakers look at he's doing. No, no, no. It's inside. Because of this. We have this uncanny ability to ignore this without it becoming a massive scene in our life. The Bible says Cain killed Abel in the field, not in front of mom and dad. The Bible says Moses looked this way and that way and killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Ananias and Sapphira in the secrecy of their own home. But then they lied in public. See, we hush the conscience and then we go on our way. Now, we know David did this. He committed adultery, then he commenced cover-up and ultimately murder. And when it was all said and done, no doubt David sighed a sigh of relief. It's over. No one knows. But we have to believe that the man who bore the testimony, the man after God's own heart, his conscience was screaming at him. But the Bible says David went on as though nothing ever happened. Now, you and I can ignore our conscience to the place where we have totally changed inwardly. That place where we are our truest self. This is the place that this preacher is always after. I'm I'm a character preacher. I'm always after the man. It's one thing to be able to quote all the scriptures and know them all, but it's another thing to inwardly have a good grasp on them. Preach it, preacher. It's one thing to be a a Sunday Christian. It's another thing to be one that's inwardly a, a Christian by, by, by definition. One who has been genuinely converted on the inside. The place where we live our truest life, live our truest self, our deepest, deepest personality is now can be cankered and we can begin living as though we've never done anything wrong. That you permit nothing. To bother you. Paul said we can sear our conscience. 
That in essence, it permits nothing immoral or nothing sinful to disturb any longer. We can touch, we can do, we can look, and it doesn't even, no problem at all. The thing is, God hands people over to this. How can a homosexual feel it's okay? I know we, uh, you don't want to go there. Folks, I'm going there. That's this preacher. I'm unafraid of all this foolishness. How can a homosexual feel it's okay? I mean, no, now there's some folks that have been fractured as children. There's some that have been fractured and somewhere inside they have been broken. But there's a fad that's going on now. And I'm saying, how can they feel it? I truly believe that they feel it's in okay inwardly. They feel it's okay. How can we pass nine month abortion? How? How can we say it's okay to pass a nine month abortion and we, and the, the train of thinking, not political, just realistically, how can we, folks, I got grandkids. I'm holding my little grandson before they took me to the airport. I'm holding him. He's three months old. How in the world can we think that's okay? But I truly believe that they think it's okay. Are you with me? On another note, how can a man lie? How can we rob God and tithe and offering? How can we walk into the house of God and be full of pride and feel we're okay? Pride is the number one thing God hates, but yet we're okay. How can we harbor hatred? How can we have bigotry? I pastored in Raleigh, North Carolina for years, and I'm telling you folks, every week I was dealing with racism. Not me, and not my own culture, black folk. Hello, black folk. I'm that preacher. Every week had to deal with it. Why? Because my culture, you can't even spell slavery talking about it. How? I asked him, how can you hate what God loves and tell me that God's living in you? How? Like God's schizophrenic? No, someone else is living in you. Oh, preach that preacher. Hello, someone. How can you and I harbor bitterness? Well, I hate them and I don't like that. How, how can we have all this working in us when the Bible calls it poison that defiles? But we'll walk right into the church house. We'll come right on our ministry. We'll stand right next to someone else and we'll be up in the church. Father, I love you. Tell me how can this be? I thought he was going to preach something so nice. <laughs> Folks, we got to shake this can. How many know what I'm talking about? We got to shake the can because Jesus is coming back. We ain't got time to be acting silly. We need to be right with God. In order to be right with God, we got some straight preaching that's happening this morning. I'm telling you, God's going to shake this thing up. <laughs> Y'all like, man, he need to hurry up. <laughs> Listen, folks, the moral code of conduct is not governed externally. 
It's not governed by the laws and the constitution. No, 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 no. It is governed by that which God has placed inside every single one of you in this building. You say, what is that? Conscience. It is governed by conscience. So then, when this is violated, conscience, it's as though you as an individual, me, we have a horribly tainted high court. It's how you can come to these conclusions. It's okay for me, but not for you. How can that be? The Supreme Court justices are supposed to use the Constitution to simply judge the law. They're not to create law. They're not to have an opinion about the law. Just pass judgment according to what they're trying to pass as law using the Constitution as the basis. When they are bad actors, then they add to that the will and the desire of a bunch of people. And then they begin to judge according to popular opinion and political motivations. And then out goes the rule of law. We become lawless. And it's the same with us. When conscience is corrupted because we will not abide by it, then God gives us over to a corrupted conscience. This is how you can see so many things happening today that we are having so much difficulty believing is actually happening. No conscience at all. I can go on a long list of things that are happening, but I don't need to. You're in Rochester, you see it, you know it. Hello, somebody. It's hard to process. I'll just take one. How can, where are the parents who own these teenagers beating down elders? Looting stores. Well, you just got to let them teens be teens. No, you got to punch them in their mouth. That's kind of, that's kind of ghetto, but. How many know what I'm saying? It's hard to process this. It's hard to wrap our head around what we're seeing right in our face in vivid color. There is no conscience to the ills that we see plaguing our cities. Now I want you to bear with me as I just, I read. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Verse 21 Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness. And you can read the the incredible list of unrighteousness that he said they are filled with. And then he ends and said they approve of those um, who do these things. Even though somewhere they learn these things are wrong, they approve um, of everyone who is doing some mouthful to speak. But God says he gave them over to this. That means... um, This debased mind means reprobate. It means cast away or rejected. In essence, it's a mind that is totally ungoverned. Conscience has been removed. And what they do is what they feel. 
when they feel, how they feel, where they feel, to who they feel in truth has been relegated to something relative. Something that is according to an individual. Well, that's true for me, but not for you. No, it can't be that way. And the Bible says the last days will have this mark upon it. That there'll be a collective loss of conscience between right and wrong. Second Timothy chapter three, know this, the last days will be perilous times for they'll come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, dis- disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying It's power, and from such people turn away. Last days. Looks like I just read that out of today's newspaper. I'm telling you, all of this starts somewhere. It starts somewhere. I submit to you that I believe that it begins with the lies that we tell ourselves. Little bit of justification for this. Little bit of justification against that. Things that we know internally are wrong, but we do it anyway. And because no one knows. I'm not in you, so I don't know. But you do. And instead of repenting and asking God to forgive us. We just go on like David, like nothing's ever happened. Little bit over here, little lie over there, little justification of it over here. Pastor Campbell, my pastor, always says the problem is living with yourself. And this is where we're at right now, living So let me close with dismantling this deception. One man said truth is like surgery. It hurts, but it cures. A lie is like painkiller. It gives instant relief, but its side effects last forever. To dismantle this deception, it's internal. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. But verse 10 says, I, the Lord, test the heart. Because truth has an ally inside of us. Watch how this plays out in real time. You know the story in John chapter 8. There's the woman. She's brought into the church. Jesus is ministering, if you would. All the people are listening. They're leaning into what Jesus is saying. They're captivated by the word that he's preaching. And here comes the self-righteous Pharisees. They bust open the double doors. They drag this woman in. It's a big scene. They throw her down in the front of the church. And then they begin to say, we caught her in the very act of adultery. The law says to stone her. But what do you say? 
And if you know the story, the Bible says they kept pestering, which I love this. Because as though God is giving them some time to, to really seal this up, they kept pestering. Ah, what do you say? Yeah, what do you say? What do you say? Yeah, what do you say? They kept pestering them. And finally, he, he rose up and he said to them, he was without sin, verse number seven. He was without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. Folks, this is how it's supposed to be. You caught them. You be the first one to throw the stone. And then the Bible says he stooped back down and began writing on the ground again. And then an interesting happened. The Bible says those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience <laughs> went out one by one beginning with the oldest, even to the last. It says specifically, ain't nobody else around. No one's internally inside of them. They could have said, yeah, take her outside. I'll throw it, you know. Convicted by their own. And the Bible says they dropped their stones one by one. In the church house, there's deliverance being happened right there. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Jesus said, our righteousness. He said, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you won't make heaven your home. <laughs> there was hope for even the Pharisee because they dropped their stones. There was hope for even the self-righteous because they dropped their stones. Listen, please, please. So far as you and I still feel bad when we do wrong is a good thing. If you can do wrong and not feel bad, you're in trouble. Because even the Pharisee dropped their stone. You cannot always come to church looking for encouragement when you know you're not doing right. Hello, somebody. You can't always come to the church house looking for an attaboy and ah, you're good, when you know you're not doing right. Now, everyone else might not know, but you know. And so at some juncture, we need God to, to, to really cross paths with us where we really are, not where we think we are, where everyone thinks we are, but where you are. And right there, right there, honesty, that we are honest right there. The old statement, we need truth. And that statement says, um, truth hurts. Because it really does. It injures deeply. The courtroom right there, deep inside you and I, is not packed with lawyers and reporters, but our conscience highlights our disobedience and passes judgment and guilt. And because our conscience does that inside of us, we feel as though it is full of reporters. We feel like the preacher is talking right to me. We feel as though everyone's looking at me when, oh, he said that. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to look at him. Look at me. We, we get this in, uh, uh, uncomfortable feeling inside. But that is for our benefit. That you and I still have a conscience 
that aligns with truth and is able to pass judgment internally, inside, able, able to do some work on the inside that God has not handed you and I over yet. The Bible says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching the inner depths of his heart. Searching. Can't run from this search because God's into it. He came to seek and save. And sometimes seeking and saving is right up in here. God's word searches deep arenas. Hebrews 4, it says in verse 12, the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Then it says in verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Naked and open, nothing hidden. Easy to hide it from me and everyone else, your pastor and people. But you're not hiding nothing from God. And it's so easy to hide behind the outward what others speak. Proverbs 27, 21 says a man is valued by what others say of him. And it's easy to live right there what others say, but they don't know you here. Inwardly. The voice of conscience oftentimes speaks a different message than others. So to be scrubbed clean here is not physical. Verse 14 of Hebrews 9, how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works that you might serve the living God? Purge your conscience. Listen, folks, actually nothing I'm talking about is external. Therefore, the fix will not be easy. Because it's rooted in the secret place. Where you really live. So we have to allow ourselves to hear our conscience aligning with what God is speaking there. Could have been in the offering. God could have been speaking to you uh, during the announcements. You could have been reading the word of God this morning before church and God whispered to you. Why are you this way or why? You need to forgive. And You need to hear the voice of God right there. The rich man in Luke 12. Gazing over all of his stuff. Sees all of his possessions, all of his goods, all of his talent. Look what I have done. I have built. I have this. I'm rich. I am going to. Build barns and bigger barns. I am going to relax. I am going to take. And the Bible says that God comes upon. Thou fool, this night your soul will be required of you. What do you do when this happens? What do you do when that happens? It was not external. Remember, he is saying these words to himself. And there where he speaks to himself, God speaks to him. God speaks right there. The prodigal son, he can say that he's fine. He can try and convince himself it's not as bad. But Jesus has a different story. He said the truth will set you free. In Luke 15, it says that he came to himself. And when he came to himself, um, he had words that he spoke to himself. He said, man, I am a mess. 
No more pretending. I'm going to get up out of here. I'm going home. This wasn't other people speaking this. No, this was him alone. And right there, he's not asking people's opinions. He's not taking all kinds of notes. Is everyone looking? Everyone looking? No, 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 no. He's speaking to himself. Your conscience is not going to let you to live wrong uninterrupted. It will speak. Because God has given that to every one of us. I was on my way. I was going to morning prayer. This is some years back in Chandler. And I'm going in for morning prayer. And Chandler's got a large group of people in a cleanup crew. They've got some guys on the outside. The guys on the other. It's just huge. And so, and so I'm walking in. And there was trash. It's like 5.30, 6 in the morning. I don't remember. And so I'm walking. There's trash in the parking lot. And I walked over. and said, man, these guys, come on, y'all. And no one's there. And God, right when I grabbed the, get ready to grab the door, God's like, what's wrong with you? I grabbed the door. I looked back at the trash and said, man, God, have I done that? Is that where I'm at? I went back, picked it up, threw it away, and chuckled and said, man, God, forgive me. Now, I know that seems minute, but I didn't go pick that trash up. Pastor Campbell, does he see this? Have you seen this trash? Trash, trash. I got the trash. But see, I would have quickly walked right over it and then blamed those guys. Come on, you guys, man. What's wrong with you guys? Man, pick the trash up. And God's like, no, no, no. What's wrong with you? Yeah, it wasn't like I heard Pastor Campbell saying it to me. And so, and so, son, what's wrong with you, Pastor? <laughs> no. It's my father in heaven saying, you got a problem, pal. Go pick the trash up yourself. Yes, Lord, I'm sorry. Hmm. You know, it was a year before David responded. He just went on like it never happened. Nathan, the prophet, had to do the whole story and point him out. But he did respond when he was pointed out. That when we hear our voice of our conscience, I'm finishing, just bear with me. When you hear the voice of your conscience speaking, we need to side with it. And then we develop an ear to hear from God right there. That we agree when our conscience says, you know, that was wrong. That we agree when our conscience says that was a lie. That we agree when our conscience says she's not your wife. What are you doing looking at her? That we agree when your conscience says this altar is for you. I can't believe how many churches, almost like a wrestling match, the older the church. I know I'm speaking to an older church. Hello. The older the church, it's like a wrestling match. Oh, yeah, I know where he's going with this. I used to tell the church, don't finish my sermon before me. <laughs> Everyone's like, well, brother. I have one church. The guy comes up and says, well, brother, you could have used this scripture. And I looked at him and said, well, I didn't. Well, brother. <laughs> That we right there, when you and I are confronted with our conscience internally, that there we respond to God. And I am telling you, my brother, my sister, that is where you are finding sweet deliverance right there. 
And the blood that Jesus spilled on Calvary's tree will purge your conscience right there from that work that is not right. That you and I can move forward and serve God in sincerity. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, if, if, if. Do you realize that's written to the church? <laughs> we like to use that for sinners, but that's not for sinners, it's for us. Matter of fact, nothing in this Bible is written for sinners. It's all for us. They're spiritually discerned. They can't understand it. What they need to understand is that they need Jesus. We have the word of God. So this is written to us. And he's saying, if you and I confess our sin, but what I already did, uh, uh-uh, it's ongoing. Right there, we relive right there. If we deep down inside, if we respond when conscience is testifying that this is wrong inside of us, if we respond and agree with God right there, then his blood would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we would be able to be used by God. It's very challenging here. And Paul says it in our text that he strives to have a conscience without offense. Strive. Toward God and man. This doesn't happen without our cooperation. Strive entails the challenge that's involved here. George Washington said it like this. Labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire that is called conscience. And it is a labor. The question I have for you this morning is what do you say? To yourself, even after this, what would you say to yourself? Well, brother, yeah, I'm good. Okay. Okay. I've learned something in the 10 years I've been evangelizing. The church needs revival. Hello, somebody. If God can revive us, there's hope for Rochester. If we're not allowing God to move us, Then we're just going to bring people from Rochester into a place where we are. And we need God. Revive us. Oh, God, revive us. And this is an arena. God, quicken life deep down inside and cause me to be responsive. When you share with me internally, things are wrong. I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes with me this morning. The words that we say to ourselves. The need here. The genuine need. You're here this morning. Thank God you've come to church. Weathered the snow, the cold, whatever has been happening. Life, the entanglements of life, the challenges, the difficulties, the sleep. We lost some sleep. So everyone's woke up and you're a little bit more tired. But you came to church and may the Lord bless you. And may God give us a heart that is enlarged. You say this morning, preacher, I've got sin in my life. I'm not proud of who I am, where I've been. I need God to forgive me. I'm telling you, God will forgive you, but you've got to ask him. You've got to ask him, Father, I need forgiveness. I've done wrong. I've been living wrong. I was 19 years old. I had just turned 19. Life was a disaster. My wife and I, high school sweethearts, got married. I was 18. She was 17. Just a disaster. Joined the military. I hated God because of my upbringing. I was raised Jehovah Witness. 
No Christmas, no birthday, no celebration. I hated God with a passion. I joined the military and went so far from California. I went all the way to Virginia, just trying to get away from everything. But I couldn't escape Tony. My own sin. The Bible says your sin will find you out. And it, it tangled me up. My life was a disaster. I was getting ready to get booted out of the military. I was always in trouble. I'm getting evicted out of our apartment complex. Twins, first up, screaming memes, eight-month-old twins, seven-month-olds. Just life, life was just a... I remember holding one of my twins and squeezing and thinking I could just squeeze me, screaming for food. We didn't have any. I'm thinking, I know how I can silence him. I just wanted to kill him. This is the climate of my life. And a man by the name of Stacy Dillard knocked on our door. Actually, he didn't knock on my door. He was at the swimming pool of the apartment complex. He took a moment and witnessed to me. I threw my hands in his face, but I, 144,000 already made it. I'm not one of them. And he kept talking. What he said shook me deep. I couldn't stop thinking about it for a few days. We ended up going to the church, which was in his living room. He preached like a, he was preaching to a million people, probably 13 of us or so in there just a kid I have never heard what he's talking about I'm feeling guilty don't know why I'm feeling guilty he said say this prayer we said this prayer but in my head I'm saying God you can have this wretched light if life if you're real who wants it anyway and God came I am telling you God moved on a little punk kid I couldn't rub two nickels together my life was a disaster I had nothing good in it nothing I was suicidal, not because I was depressed. I was angry. Who wants to live this life? And I'm always thinking of how I can just end it. I'm tired of living in misery. And God saved the little punk kid. Gave me hope. My life. I'm married now. My wife and I looking at 31 years here in the next few months. And I'm like, look what you've done. My life. I, I stand in awe. God restores you say preacher I need God to forgive me I'm not asking what you've done my brother my sister but I am telling you God will forgive and that forgiveness is a release from all that you've ever done it's a new lease on life preacher I need that can I pray for you this morning simple prayer God have mercy on me a sinner that's you would you raise your hand can I pray for you God bless you my brother God bless you sir thank God will there be anyone God bless you sis Will there be anyone else? Just raise your hand. Slip it up in the air. Come on. Raise it up. Raise it up. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Slip it up. Slip it up. Anyone else? I'm a backslider. I know better. I'm not living right. I'm not living right. You've made a decision before, but today you're not right. You say, you know what? I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to live this way. Who else? Raise your hand. Slip it up right now. Very quickly. Recognizing before God. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Okay, very well. You raised your hand. Would you look at me? Lift it up. You, you sincere with God? Sincere with God. I believe you are. Sincere with God. I believe you are. There's some my brother right here. Look at me. You sincere with God? Yeah, I believe you are. Would you come? Come on. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. I need two brothers and sisters. Come on. Can you come up? Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Just kneel down right here, my man. Yeah, just kneel down, brother. Just kneel down. I need two brothers and, yeah, sister. Yeah, just have a seat right there, sis. We're going to pray for you and we're going to believe God for you. All right. Come on. Have mercy on me. I need, yeah. 
God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me. Okay, church. This is the part of the service where it all matters. It's where we respond. I have no clue who you are inwardly, but you do. And this is where we find God is able to do what only God can do. That blood can touch those areas of our life that are deep. And all the ministry this week will be aimed at that man, that woman internally. This is not a shout down. We don't have forever. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back for you and I. But he's coming back for men and women that are expecting. I'm challenging you this morning. Don't ignore your conscience. I'm challenging you this morning. I can feel the conviction of God. I'm challenging you to respond. I'm asking if you can stand all over this assembly. Stand with me. You're in your seat. Stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with me. Before God, stand with me. Before God, stand with me. Stand with me. Okay, I'm opening the altar. I want you to come. Find a place. Come, come. Come down. Kneel down before God. Find a place and you talk to Jesus. Come on. Find a place. Kneel down. Make an altar before God. Father God, my conscience. Some, you've been ignoring it. You've been literally shoving it to the side. Come on. You got to give it to God this morning. Give it to God. Father God, I respond this morning. I'm asking you to forgive me. Bitterness, anger, hatred, all these things, whatever, whatever. Justification of a sin, maybe looking at something you ought not, going places you shouldn't, justifying something you're drinking, whatever. Whatever. You know what, God, I'm laying it at this altar. Father, forgive me. God, don't let my conscience become seared. Don't let me become one that neglects this, God. And for Lord, God ends up forsaking so much. Make me alive right here, oh God. Make me alive right here, oh God. God, I surrender this arena. Make me alive right here, God. Quicken that spark of celestial fire that comes, God, from my conscience and being in alignment with the truth of your word. Oh God, let it not be that I've silenced it. That God, when right is being spoken, God, it's like the tree that falls and I don't hear it. Oh God, don't let that be me. Oh God, we need you, God, we need you. God, work as only you can. Work as only you can. Father, we need you, God. Quicken life, God. Quicken life, quicken life. Arouse that within us, oh God, as you are sure to return. God, help us, God, right here to be ready. Help us right here to be a man, a woman internally ready. But God, we're not holding things we ought not. We're not thinking things we ought not. Oh God,
you can just play for me if you would. Here's what I want us to do at this altar. I want us to stand. Come on, stand with me. Just stand with me. Just stand with me. And then bow your heads for just a moment. It's one thing I feel impressed to pray for. As heads are bowed, heads are bowed, heads are bowed. Guilt is a good thing. We feel guilt because we've done wrong, but we can silence that guilt by justifying the wrong. And then we live with a conscience that becomes seared. So guilt can be a good thing. It make it prompts you and I to respond to God. But after you've responded to God, God removes the guilt. It becomes a testimony. Yeah, that's who I was. Folks, I preach from that arena. I'm not preaching at you except for coming from my experience. I'm not just writing sermons just to write. This is my life. It's the wrestlings. I don't have a, 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 a guilt complex in ministering this because it's a constant ongoing. I'm constantly responding to this inward person. I live in hotel rooms. I'm always alone and I'm always there. And there, God's got to hammer out and, and there, there. Okay, so I don't have this guilt that follows because I'm responding. If you've responded... And there's a guilt that I'm telling you the devil is trying to bring condemnation. And there are some. You feel that condemnation this morning. Condemnation accuses without hope. But there's hope this morning and Jesus will remove that condemnation so you can be free. But you've got to respond. Heads about, please. No one looking around for just a moment. Just a moment. If I could just have just the keyboard play. Just so it's a little bit. Yeah, please. You're here this morning. Heads about, please. No one looking around. And you're under condemnation. I want you to raise your hand right now. Just put it up. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, put your hands down. Father, by the blood, we're taking dominion, Father, right now over this spirit. Father, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Father, we believe this. And God, as we respond to you, and God, we respond to the conscience you have placed inside of us between right and wrong. God, I am asking you, God, remove, God, that thorn of condemnation, hell's grip, God, on our wrongdoing. Remove that, God, for we are casting our wrongs upon Christ. God, I'm asking you, deliver these, set them free. The blood of Jesus, purge their conscience even right now. Let it be a supernatural work from this day forward. May they find liberty and find freedom in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give God praise. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah.